that have traveled to the villages know that village life is totally different. It can be very difficult at times. And it's very hard to be accepted a lot uh, in, in some of the villages. But Jeremiah and Charnay are part of the family there. And I am so blessed by them. And uh, Jeremiah is our uh, assistant director for missions for the Assemblies of God for the state of Alaska. If you've been around Summit very long at all, you know that we're a church that loves missions. We've, since I've been here, we've added missionaries every year to, to support different ones. Every year we've added. And I want to continue that trend. And, and my hope is one day that God will bless us as a congregation so much that we can have a new missionary couple that's ready to go to the field that they won't have to itinerate, that we can look at them and say, we will fully fund you go. Wouldn't that be a miracle? I want you to give a great uh, summit welcome to Jeremiah and Charnay as they come to minister to us today. Thank you, Pastor. Wow, uh, what an honor it is to be here to share with you guys. Um, I, I really appreciate the, uh, the plug for the Alaska Student Partnership. Um, my role as the assistant director to 907 Missions is still developing, and I'm excited to partner with uh, Terry Hull, another one of our Alaska missionaries, to do that. Uh, the Alaska Student Partnership is meeting a need that we've had for a long time. And when I joined with U.S. Missions, we quickly recognized that the journey we went through to get funded and the journey we, we uh, embarked on to become fully funded missionaries was one that we may not be able to duplicate 100 times over in the amount of time we need to reach the people that we need to reach. And so the model had to change. And so we're blessed to be able to partner with Chi Alpha, Paul Burkhart, Steve Pavek. These guys are doing an amazing job in plugging people into the village in whatever way we can get them in there. And so thank you, Pastor, for supporting that, and thank you guys for, for, for buying into the vision. I'm here to talk to you today a little bit about accomplishing your mission, and I'm going to share with you not from a place of superiority, not from a place of, I've accomplished it, so let me tell you how it's done, but from a place, uh, like Paul said when he taught, one of the most encouraging words the Apostle Paul ever spoke, I believe, in Scripture, was when he told the people, not that I've already attained all this. Right? How, how many of you love learning from a know-it-all? <laughs> right? It's so encouraging to me that Paul, in talking about the Christian life and talking about how to follow Jesus, is this daunting task, right? He says, hey, not that I'm there already. We're on this journey together. Amen? And so as I talk about missions today and the mission, and I'm going to share a little bit about what we've done and, and what God's been able to do through us. And, and how many of you know when you yield a little bit, God can do a lot? <laughs> And so I'm going to share a little bit about that, but I'm also going to give you a little bits that I've learned that I'm still learning. And these steps, I have seven steps to accomplishing your mission today, and I'm, I'm bouncing around from all seven of them from time to time. And so if you're here today and you're a veteran missionary, or you're a pastor, or maybe you're a church leader, a volunteer, churchgoer, or maybe you're here for the first time today wondering what this Jesus guy is all about. This message is for you. Your mission is in Matthew 28. And I hope and pray with all my heart that no Christian or pastor or leader ever 
loses the seriousness or the weight of this commission because it is the core of why we do what we do and it's the reason that when we get saved we don't just disappear and go to heaven amen pastor Matthew 28 18 Jesus came and told his disciples we're all disciples if we're followers of Jesus he said I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. I think we, we, we I personally have been guilty of kind of becoming numb to that scripture verse. We just hear it so much, and it's, you know, oh, for God so loved the world. It's kind of like John 3.16, you know, we, we, we hear these verses from growing up, and we kind of can, it's easy to become numb to them. But today, uh, as we talk about seven steps to accomplishing your mission things I've learned as a missionary, it's important to know what the mission is, right? It's not just your church's job to make disciples. It's not your pastor's job to make disciples. He's doing his job because that's his mission just the same as it's yours. As we get started, I want to show a video just to give you guys a, a, an inkling of what we've been up to for the last three years. Um, <laughs> we've been kind of all over the place. Uh, I was tasked, um, uh, when I first moved up there, I knew, one, within, years, within a year, I knew this, this church building needs to be, something needs to be done. <laughs> we, it was built in 1952. It wasn't built right in 1952. Um, <laughs> it was remodeled in 1960-something, which made it worse. And then, so every missionary that's ever been there has the, like, yeah, this building needs, it can't be heated in the winter. And how many of you know, in Fort Yukon, we're above the Arctic Circle, a winter's a good chunk of our year. So imagine if you guys had about eight months where you're like, yeah, we may or may not have church that eight months, but we'll do it in the summer, you know? And so when I went up there, I'm like, we got to do something with this church building, and lo and behold, I wanted to, I thought I was thinking small, and I wanted to build onto the parsonage, like a big room kind of thing, I just, with, and Pastor Bill, praise God for our superintendent, uh, just has big vision. He's like, you're thinking too small, and we cast vision for this church, and lo and behold, uh, it just, things started moving. And I was tasked with building a church. I never built anything other than maybe like a tool shed. And I, here, we, here we are. Sometimes, like, like the word this morning, God takes you to places that you're maybe not comfortable with. Yeah, we, we uh, completed that project uh, on time, under budget. Uh, the whole thing is paid for completely, no debt, 328000 uh, We had to ship every stick of lumber, uh, drive three and a half to four hours uh, up dirt road to the Yukon River, and then barge it six hours down the Yukon River to get to Fort Yukon. Um, but it, it's done. And so, praise God, we're, we're, we're enjoying the new building, we're, we're loving life, and, and ministry is growing. 2020 was our best year in terms of attendance. Um, yes, you heard me right, 2020 was our best year. In 14 years, it was our best, uh, well, most attended church services, uh, highest numbers in the church. Um, God has been good and faithful to us, and we have pe seen people saved. We have seen people saved in the nick of time, snatched from the jaws of hell. And, and God is using that building to its full. And, you know, when I talk about accomplishing your mission, we're going to go through these seven steps pretty quick, so don't worry. <laughs> Number one, evaluate your motive. You hear a lot in your pastor shares every Sunday about 
he tries to motivate you. He tries to get you going. He, part of, one of the toughest jobs of a pastor is, you know, just like, it's like coaching a football team, and sometimes they're tired, and sometimes they've trained a lot, and sometimes they just want to kick back and eat nachos and watch TV, not be out on the field running drills and doing stuff, you know? And so the, the pastor sometimes like that coach be like, come on, you got a little bit more in the tank. Come on, you got you to gotta speak up. You got that neighbor, that brother or sister doesn't know Jesus. You got, you know, that thing you're trying to overcome in your life. You got that family member that's, that has cancer. You, got, you know, he's, we're, we're trying to get you guys to, come on, we can, you can do it. And thank, praise the Lord, you guys have a very motivational, encouraging, edifying pastor. Amen. <laughs> Come on, give it up for him. But when you think about it, stepping out, you got to ask yourself, why? Why do you do what you do? Because it makes a big difference. It really does. Because if your motive isn't in the right place, you won't last. When you're stepping out to do something God called you to do or something you heard the pastor say, are you doing it because your spouse is encouraging you to do it? Are you doing it because the pastor is really making a big push for this thing that our church is doing? Is, are all your church friends doing it? What, what, maybe it makes you feel good to, to uh, what is it, when, you, when you're at the cafe and, you know, you, somebody gives money and, you know, you're like, well, I'll pay it forward and pay, you know, maybe it, feels, it makes you feel good. Why do you do what you do? When your motive lines up with God's motive, he's got your back. In, uh, in Romans 12, 2, don't copy the pattern and behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You, you know, let, let God, when you're in line with God's will, when you're in line with his heart and his mind, and when you think like him, he's got your back. Acts 13, 22, one of the heroes of the Bible is King David, right? You know, we see him, David and Goliath, that was a good thing. You know, David and Bathsheba, that was a bad thing. You know, but we kind of, we, we can relate to this guy because he was a shepherd. He was a nobody. And then he was a king who made a big mistake. And then, you know, he's a very relatable character in the Bible. But Acts 13, 22, in talking about him says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. David wasn't chosen by God because he said, well, if I make this guy king, then I can work him into somebody who will follow me. He wasn't chosen by God because he was sitting there watching the sheep and he was singing songs about when I become king in Israel someday. Right? He was loving God, worshiping God, honoring God as a shepherd and defending the flock, writing song, worship songs about the Lord as a shepherd. I don't think it ever crossed David's mind that he would be king of Israel. He was not in the running. <laughs> he was not in the lineup to become king of Israel. And so he's just sitting there loving God, and that's why God chose him. So when I say check your motive, evaluate your motive, it's important to know why you're doing what you're doing for the Lord because if your heart is, I love God and I want to honor him and he's done so much for me, I want to please him and bless him and, and God's heart is for this person, so my heart is for that person. If that's where your heart is, God can use you and God can choose you. As we evaluate our motive, it's super, super important to remember that you are incapable of self-diagnostic. It's true. You are incapable of doing a true self-diagnostic. Psalm 139 says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. 
you go before me and follow me, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Gives you a glimpse of, of, the, the, of the, the examinatory power that God has in our life. So when we go to examine our motive, after this message, and you think, what is my mission? How do I do the Great Commission? Uh, who needs to be made into a disciple in my life that currently isn't and that I have influence that I can maybe turn them into a disciple? How do I go about that? When we examine our heart and examine ourself, you have to partner with the Holy Spirit. You have to employ, later in Psalm 139, the psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path everlasting. You need to ask God to do that as you examine your motives because you are tainted by your own heart and your own thoughts and you can't self-examine properly. So it's a humbling thing to go to God and be like, okay, God, show me where I'm messing up. <laughs> it's painful. It hurts. Right, Pastor? <laughs> no, so once we got our motive in the right place, okay, we, we're going on this outreach or we're reaching that neighbor or I'm going to start committing to pray for this brother or sister or loved one. I'm, I mean, I'm going to be real missional about it. And I'm a, I'm get, it's because God loves them. We got our motive in check. Number two, it's okay to start small. <laughs> it's okay to start small. If, if Jesus was here today, I, th I think he might say a, a, a parable about the kingdom of God is not like a social media or YouTube success story. <laughs> the kingdom of God is not like someone who just gets rich quick because they, their, their, their video went viral. You know, the, he, the kingdom of God is like, we, we've heard it, the kingdom of God is like a farmer and a seed, right? The kingdom of God is, it, it, he gives all kinds of stories about the talents that grow, the, the seed that grows. It, it's a process, I like when Zechariah 4, 9 through 10 says, Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation for the temple. Now, this is relatable for me, literally digging with my own hands the foundation for this new church and, and thinking it'll never be done. Have you been in the middle of a project and you think you can't even, your brain can't wrap around when the project will be done? You're like, like I just can't even fathom it. It's, it's all that there is right now, and there's so much to do. I can't imagine it being done. In the middle, for the last three years, I couldn't imagine, in my wildest imagination, standing there in the church and having it be just done. <laughs> and so here it says, um, he is the, the one who lays the foundation of the temple. He will complete it. Then you will know the Lord and the heaven's army sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. The guy who was doing the plumb to make sure that the foundation was right so the temple would be built properly, the Lord rejoices to see that first shovel full, you know? The Lord rejoices when you make a decision in your heart, I'm going to, that the first time you get down on your knees for that friend or family member, the first time that you pray with your lips out, you pray out loud and lay your hands on somebody and ask the, that they be healed, and the first time that you go on a mission trip, the first time you give in the offering plate, the Lord rejoices in those first steps, it's okay to start small. When we incorporate missional thinking into every area of our life, it doesn't take much to start that process, but it goes a long way. It really does. In Matthew 13, Jesus used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in, three measures of flour, it permeated through the whole dough. What did Jesus say to the disciples? If you, you know, faith the size of a mustard seed, <laughs> you can move mountains. It doesn't take much to get the process going, but it has a huge impact. 
when your pastor speaks and shares in something and you write it down or you take note of it or you take it home and you talk to your family about it on the ride home, when you, when you begin to engage into gear in your faith, it doesn't take much, but it tell you it goes a long way. Start small. Number three, acknowledge that some things just don't work. <laughs> some things just don't work. It's okay. As you step out to pursue your mission, as you step out to accomplish your mission, you'll encounter things that just don't seem to be working. It's maybe an outreach that's just not coming together. Maybe it's a friend that just refuses to give their heart to Jesus, no matter how much you've laid it out to them. Maybe it's that, that disease that just won't heal. You know, the, you, you come up against stuff that doesn't seem to be working. And there's many reasons for this. And I'm, I'm going to encourage you, but also, you know, kind of admonish you. It might be you. <laughs> look, at the, look at Matthew 17. I mean, seriously, disciples, I, we, you know, we look at the disciples, they're kind of like the heroes of the faith, but man, would you want to be talked to by, by Jesus like that sometimes? But look at Matthew 17, uh, verse 14. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, <laughs> how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? <laughs> wow. Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon from the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Jesus said, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So he basically told him, you don't even have the faith of a mustard seed. After being with him for so many years. A lot of people look at this verse and they're so encouraged. If you would just have the faith of a mustard seed, they forget that this was during a time of admonition for the disciples. This was kind of like, they got, it said they came to him privately, and this was kind of like a staff meeting where Jesus was like, get your act together. <laughs> you know? It's not really something that the disciples would want to see printed on a t-shirt, right? <laughs> it's kind of a rebuke. Sometimes it might be you. It might be your faith. It might be you need to dig in and work harder. <laughs> it might be you need to pray and, and, and engage more. Who knows? It might be you. It might be others. Mark 6, 1 through 6. Jesus left that part of the country and he returned with his disciples to Nazareth. Remember that town in the whole Christmas story? His hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. That was it. They, they, were, they were in awe, and then they scoffed. Hmm. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except his own hometown and amongst his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles amongst them except to place hands on a few sick people and heal them. I mean, see, that would be good for me. Like, to, to us, that would be like, wow, that's amazing. How many of you want to see that? Like, if you were to come back at the end of the month and be like, Pastor, I didn't do much. I just laid hands on a few people and healed them. It was... <laughs> he was amazed at their unbelief, it says. Sometimes it might be someone else. 
Maybe you, you, don't, you don't think Jesus wasn't walking in the will of the Father. He was. He was 100% obedient. And he, it says he couldn't do many miracles because of their unbelief. So sometimes it might be you. Sometimes it might be someone else. And sometimes it might just be circumstances. Matthew 13, 3 through 9 tells us, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell upon thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Don't give up. It might be you, it might be someone else, it might be the circumstances, but don't give up. Try something else. Keep sowing. The farmer doesn't get so worked up about the seed that fell on that path and didn't produce anything that he just puts away the seeds and be like, well, I'm just going to stand here until the, if that doesn't do something, then I quit. <laughs> you know? Keep sowing. Some of the things you try just won't work. Plain and simple. Sometimes you may lay hands on someone and pray and they don't get better. I've laid hands on people, and they got better, and God healed them in miraculous ways. Other times, a dear, precious loved one is dying of cancer, and every powerful man and woman of God I know lays hands on them, and they die of cancer. Keep sowing, keep praying, keep trusting, keep believing. Number four, don't try to please everyone. As you go to accomplish your mission, don't try to please everyone. It's impossible. You won't be able to do it. Matthew 10, 34 through 39 says, Jesus basically is saying this, by the way, and he says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And then quoting the prophet Micah, he said, I have come to set man against father, a daughter against mother, a daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Your enemies will be in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you Love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Jesus knew that asking people to follow him would cost us greatly and cause great division. He knew that. He was well aware. And we look at his life. Simply doing what he's called all of us to do got him on the cross. He knew that it would cause division, but yet he never backtracked anything he said so that he could avoid the cross or that he could avoid people's wrath or scorn. He never changed his tune when the, when the Pharisees were around so that he didn't get them mad, you know? He never was like, oh, well, I'm going to try to appeal to these people, and then I'm going to try to appeal to those people. He didn't, you didn't see a change in his message because he was trying to please people. Just know that you're never going to be able to please everybody. It's, 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 <laughs> I don't say that to give you an excuse to be a jerk to everybody. <laughs> Just know that you're not going to be able to please them. A good way to find the balance is in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Do what pleases God. Do what pleases God. And if you come up to a point where what pleases God is making other people angry or making other people upset at you, 
The way you treat them also affects whether or not you're pleasing God. (laughs) Pleasing God is what matters. But remember the most important commandment in Mark 12. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And as you're doing that, loving God solely and and passionately and making him the first priority in your life, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So he he gave us, it sums it up, you can't be a jerk to those around you and please God. (laughs) But but if you start trying to please those people, you you can't try to please them over pleasing God. So make God the, 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 when you follow these two commandments and you make God the priority over everyone else, you also begin to see God, see others how God sees them. But don't expect to please them. Don't expect to please everybody. It's not realistic. You might step out and be like, I'm going to go on this mission trip, or I'm going to go join the Alaska Student Partnership, or I'm going to go, you know, pastor in a village, or I'm going to go volunteer, you know, whatever. I'm going to do something. I'm going to step out and engage my faith. You will get a group of people that are like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> you know, I gave up a, a sweet, pretty sweet gig when I was in, right before I went to Fort Yukon, actually. That year, I worked to pay off my master's commission tuition. I worked at Black Gold Insulation there at Flint Hills. What used to be Flint Hills, they went out of business. So, but I was working there, and I paid my whole student tuition, plus had spending money for the next 10 months. In a, over a month and a half, I worked there. They were paying 50-something dollars an hour, and then every, every Friday, you could, every Thursday, if you signed on the line, you could guaranteed another 30 hours, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, at time and a half. And, I mean, as a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, I was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> and they offered me a seasonal job. And I'm like, this is more money than I know what to do with. Like, <laughs> it's just a crazy amount of money. And instead, at 21, I went up to Fort Yukon and had my mom sending me boxes with rice aroni and cup of noodle. And my wife quickly found out when she joined me there a year and a half later, I didn't know how to make the rice aroni. So she got to Fort Yukon and found 100 boxes of rice aroni shoved in a pantry. And <laughs> I, I went from that to that. <laughs> and so when you go to follow God, there's going to be a lot of people in your life that tell you how dumb that is. And there were plenty of people in my life that told me how bad it was. Don't expect to please everybody. Number five, don't expect it to be easy. I, I, I'm looking around in here and I'm seeing, you know, people who are older than me, people who are like my dad's age, people who, who this statement is completely arbitrary. Yeah, of course, duh. But then, you know, I have co- college teams come up or high school teams come up to Fort Yukon for missions trips and I just realize their outlook on life and what they expect from life they totally expect it to be easy. <laughs> like, they expect everything to be easy. They, they, their view of how things are going to go in life is just so golden paved. And it, <laughs> it's like, you know, and I was the same way. You know, I expected, you know, I'm, I'm going to go up there because God told me to, and I'm just going to soar on wings like eagles, man. And it's going to be great. Because <laughs> that, that song said so. And it didn't work out quite that way, you know. <laughs> As I'm eating my 77th bowl of Top Ramen, I'm thinking, Dude, eagles don't eat Top Ramen, man. <laughs> First Peter chapter 1 tells us, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need 
for living a godly life. We've received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So in view of all this, what God has given you, the blessings and these promises, right? So many kids, they get these Bible verse t-shirts or these little booklets called the promises of God. And and it's all about what God's going to give you. And they kind of cut the verse off at the most important part, in my opinion. The next verse, in view of all this, make every effort. How many times in life can you guys honestly say, if you had to sit down with a blank sheet of paper and list the times in your life when you legitimately gave it everything you had until there was nothing left in the tank? When you made every effort, every effort, there was nothing left you could do to make it any, I mean, there's, for me, those are few and far between, right? Those times when you racked your brain, stayed up all night, pulled all-nighters, did brainstormed, and put every penny and every dime and every bit of effort and every your muscle fatigue, you gave it everything. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. I don't see that when I see these little promises of God books, right? In the beginning or the end, I look in the, in the, in the commentary, both sides, and I never see do everything in your power, humanly possible, to respond properly to these promises of God. To me, it cuts out the power of them, right? When we don't respond to them. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with patient endurance. Those of you who have kids. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. Verse 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. If you find yourself going to church year after year after year, and you can't honestly say when you examine your life that you're more productive and useful for the kingdom of God, you missed the mark. Verse 9, but those who fail to develop. See, doesn't that kind of put the ball in our court, guys? We can fail to develop. We can choose to fail to develop in this way. Are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they have been cleansed of their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I feel like sometimes in our theology, sometimes in our Christian thinking, in our effort to encourage each other, we, we take the first portion and we take the last portion and we sandwich them together and we just get rid of that middle part. We get rid of the part that says make every effort, grow, be productive, don't fail to develop, work hard. We just swoosh all that out of the way and we're like, here's the inheritance that God has given us. And then God will give us a grand entrance into the kingdom of God. Isn't it great to be a Christian? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's not going to be easy. It's never going to be easy. Your mission will be difficult and will require lots of work. Don't ever let anyone tell you differently. They're lying to you. (laughs) If anyone tells you that it's going to be easy and fun and all your problems will go away, and if you just accept Jesus, everything in your life will just magically fix itself. They're lying to you. (laughs) Search the scriptures for yourself, the Bible says. Search the word. Check everything. When your pastor preaches, write down the scriptures. 
when he has the notes and stuff up, and when you go home, open up your own Bible and double check. Because <laughs> I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will lead you to the very next verse and the one before and the one after, and he'll take you on a journey that you never didn't, that, that things you never heard in the message that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And pastor's message might have been given 100% to this person, and that one verse that was going to lead you down a path the Holy Spirit wants you to go was that verse he spoke that was supposed to trigger you to go into your word. That's a side thing. <laughs> Number six, rem remind yourself that it's all worth it. Remind yourself, no matter what happens, no matter what you're going through, no matter how exhausted you are, remind yourself that it's all worth it. Hebrews 11.6 reminds us this, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God really does have a reward for you? God really does reward those who ask, seek, and knock, those who press in, those who continue on the path that, that, that they've been put on with Jesus, the, the ones who press in and run the race. Do you believe that God rewards you? Or do you believe that God's just sitting there looking down on you being like, well, you pass muster barely. On to the next thing. Come on. <laughs> You know, so many of us have a twisted view of God because no matter how great our earthly father was, he wasn't perfect. He messed up. And so many of us bring those things to God and, and we forget that God is perfect. He's a perfect father. Believe that God's rewards are worth the costs of whatever he's calling you to. If you've never had the pleasure and the, and the rejoicing in your heart, and that partnership with the Father, when you explain the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you to somebody, and they say, I want that, and they say how to get that, and in that moment, you lead them to Jesus, and you watch their body react as the weight of their sin falls off their shoulders, if you've never had that, that's what I'm talking about when we talk about the mission. Once you've had that, it changes your perspective on your mission as a Christian. It changes your perspective on your purpose here on this planet. And it's, it's, the, it's like some sort of like drug where you're like, I, I have to lead more people to Jesus. That, that, what that person, that transformation that person just had I have to see everybody I know have that. It's addictive. Knowing that you're in the center of God's will for you, oh man. Feeling the fulfillment. People talk about difficulties of village life and this and that, and I encourage young people, it's like, it doesn't matter if it's the village. How many of you have felt unfulfilled in your life here in Wasilla? How many of you have felt... Like you're not where God wants you to be, no matter where you're at. It's, it, it, finding the center of God's will for your life, it doesn't matter where you go or what the struggles are or how hard it is. Because when you find that fulfillment, you're like, man, this is great. I'd rather be in Fort Yukon eating bowl of noodle <laughs> because it's where God wants me than sitting somewhere else eating in an expensive restaurant outside of God's will for me with a big paycheck and all my bills paid and everything. Because the fulfillment, what God made you to do is what matters in this life. And most of all, remind yourself that when you do this, the reason it's all worth it and it brings this fulfillment is because it brings glory to God and it points your whole life towards him. 
And as we examine our mission and think, oh, how do I go make disciples? What, it's going to be different for every one of you. When we talk about make disciples, teach them to obey everything Jesus said, well, first of all, some of you don't know what Jesus said. Some of you don't have that written away in your heart yet. When there's a scenario popped up before you and, and the question is asked, what, what does God think about this? Some of you are like, um, I'm going to have to go do some research. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up. You know, some of you don't know what Jesus said. So your first part of the mission is figure out what Jesus said about stuff. You can't go make disciples and teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded if you don't know that stuff yet. So some of you, step one is get in your Bible. Get into a class. Get into a small group. Get into, you know, Sunday school. Whatever, whatever your church offers that, 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 to help you grow in those areas, get in there. As we go through these steps, I'm gonna, my last one, seven, don't give up. Paul says that, you know, that everybody runs the race, but not everybody gets a prize. And then it says you, 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 will, you will receive the prize at the end, the reward, if you do not give up. That tells me there's going to be Christians who ran the race, who did pretty good, who sprinted pretty well, who, who started ministries, who led people to Jesus, who, who did run the legitimate race on the track as a legit runner, who aren't going to get the prize at the end because they gave up and walked off the track. Don't give up. Stick with it. Like the, the word we heard this morning, sometimes it may be dark and shadows and it feels like you're crawling along on the ground and, and eating rocks and you, don't, you know, spiritually you might feel like it's the most miserable place in the world. Sometimes you might not feel like you're in the green lush pastures. Don't give up the fight. There were so many times, I, I, we, I mean, we could do a whole seminar on things that make you want to quit. I, I've lost count of things that make you want to quit, right, Sharonite? Things, if we had to make a list and speak a conference on things in life that you would be totally justified and everybody would pat your back and say, hey, you gave it your all if you quit. <laughs> totally understandable. I've had leaders, I've had pastors, I've had friends express to me that if you, if you want to move from Fort Yukon, we got your back. Because <laughs> there's always a legitimate reason to quit. But don't give up on your mission. Your mission is to go and make disciples. First of all, you gotta be a disciple, and then you gotta make disciples. Don't give up on the mission. The work of God is, uh, is alive and active in the Yukon Flats. We are uh, praying for the Lord's wisdom as we expand, uh, as we not only expand in the Yukon Flats, but as we partner with the Alaska Student Partnership and 907 Missions and what God has for us as the state moves forward. Uh, there's great things in store. We honestly believe that our, our influence and the, the, the revival to come in remote Alaska is going to be greater than anything the state has ever seen before. And we're, and we're just honored that you guys would partner with us in that. Uh, we're honored to be one of your missionaries. We really, truly are. We're so thankful for the Alaska churches. You guys realize that, that church building was mostly funded by the Alaska churches, completely. We had some support come from out of state, and even from the uh, general council uh, missions departments and stuff, but mostly... The Alaska Ministry Network churches uh, built that church, and we're praying for many more projects, many more. We, we pray that as the Alaska Student Partnership goes out, that within those first three-year commitments that those people go into those villages, we start having to build more churches in the village because the, because the, the church of God is advancing. It is growing.
And when you see the darkness start to come in in this world, when you watch the news or you talk to somebody or you see something in public that you know just isn't right, and as a Christian, you know that breaks the heart of God when you see something, know that as the world gets darker, the light of Jesus shines brighter. And the opportunity to lift up the light of Jesus and have people see you as a Christian and know that there's something different about you, the darker this world gets, the more those opportunities are going to be on the rise. So be ready, be in prayer, bolster your faith, because as the world gets darker and you stand up for Jesus, you're going to shine brighter and brighter and you're going to have people looking to you, coming to you, wondering what this Jesus stuff is all about. And then you can go and make disciples. Amen. Pastor, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for your support, not just financially, but in, in people. Guys, we, we are in a golden time right now where we have, right, Fort Yukon, we have everything we need to press forward. We need people. We need people. It's, it's, we got an apartment now that Pastor Joshua, my younger brother, who looks like he did all the ministry in those videos because I'm always the person taking pictures. <laughs> um, He's in Kenai now. <laughs> Him and Cheyenne got a great job down there with Pastor Steve Brown. And man, since September, we have an apartment. We have housing. We have uh, job opportunities in Fort Yukon. We have everything, a uh, uh, um, youth pastor slash worship leader, so, you know, whatever needs. And, and that's all over the Alaska. And like Pastor said, he's looking forward to a time when he can, somebody in this room might feel called to go out there and they can be sent from this church. And I'm looking forward to that time as well. And we're praying for that. Pastor. I want to thank you because our church gave thousands of dollars so that that church could be built in Fort Yukon. And uh, I'm very proud of you and, and that you have a heart for missions. And I pray that our heart for missions will continue. Amen. In 3 John Verse 5, John writes, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God. You will do well. Because they have, they have went forth for his name's sake, Taking nothing from the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Anytime we give to missions, we're partnering with them to come, become fellow workers for the truth. As we close today, I want you to join, join just join me in prayer. And uh, I also want to announce that uh, Jeremiah and Charnay are going to be here tonight. And if you can come back tonight, we want to encourage you for uh, not just a time of worship and prayer tonight, but he's going to share another message that the Lord's laid on his heart. And as we leave today, um, I hope you, like me, have an offering ready to go to missions today. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, we thank you that there are Christians that are willing to go to the farthest parts of this world because every single soul is important to you. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
And Lord, I pray that your hand would be upon our church. Lord, that you would build your church here, that we would be blessed by you, that we can do greater things for missions than we've ever done before. I pray, Lord, that you would financially bless us, that we can give and support missions in a far greater way. Send mission teams, Lord, to the villages and to other places in the world. And Lord, I pray that you would stir the hearts of our people. Lord, that we would be willing to go on short-term missions trips. Lord, that we would be able to go on long-term missions trips. Lord, that we would be like Jeremiah and Charnay and say, Lord, if you want us to spend, Lord, our lives dedicated to a village, we'll do whatever you want. Lord, we'll be here as long as you want us to be here. Lord, that's always been my heart, wherever you've taken our family. And Lord, I pray that would be the heart of each and every one of us. And Lord, as we close today, I pray that every one of us would realize that we have been given a mission by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of us should have a heart of mission. Lord, that you've called us to be the light, to be the salt, to share the love and the life of Jesus wherever we go. And Lord... We just thank you and we praise you. And Lord, I just bless each and every one that's here today. And I ask these things in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's join Mitch as we close today. And if you have a prayer need, I'm going to stay up here. And if you have a prayer need today, I'd be glad to pray with you. And uh, if you don't have a prayer need, then... I encourage you as you leave today to give a little offering for missions today. If you can, come tonight. I know that Jeremiah will have another great message for us. God bless you richly. We're delighted to have you here today.